sexier than Aunt May, it's Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast every week on the Laser Time Podcasting Network. I'm Henry Gilbert, your host of this podcast every week. We explore all the world of comic books and the things related to them. And of course, I am H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and I'm here with regular old co-host Brett Elston. Hi. And Chris Santista. Boo! And uh, we even have a fourth chair, The Walking Dave, Dave Rudden. Hello. I had to play oh, them at the same double. time. Yeah. I have more sound cues mm. save. I just haven't put them on this computer. <laughs> I have them, guys. I have the Spider-Man sweet jazz. Anyway, boy, this is an exciting episode this week, guys. I promise you that, listeners. Because not only do we have the regular superhero spotlight for an upcoming Marvel superstar, not only do we have some extra talk about seeing Civil War and free comic book day, but also I got to be in the same room as Stan Lee, everybody. How exciting. I have have stories to share about that, plus the question of the week and your Ask Hank questions and what we've been reading. We all have uh, read a few things, I think. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think at least half this table has. Ah. I, I believe so. Before we do that, all of that needs to be put on hold before we do the Superhero Spotlight. Collect your hero. Why don't we let someone explain who this superhero spotlight is? Psylocke is very lethal, and she's not afraid to get her hands dirty. Ah, uh, thank you so much, Olivia Munn, for explaining who that yeah. is. That is Psylocke, everybody. Nice puff piece. I know. <laughs> I know. User Psylocke rules will be very excited to uh, <laughs> that we're finally doing the superhero spotlight. That was all Olivia Munn had to say about Psylocke in that clip. By the way, that was a little whatever. Early. If you haven't seen her training, like she's she in a comic hard. that it's, I've definitely read. It's what? <laughs> it's she's. Yes, really sexy, but see, watching her with a sword, like, holy shit, she got really good with a sword. She worked hard. She worked hard for it. But, uh, yeah, that is Psylocke, who is making her debated live-action debut in uh, mm. X-Men Apocalypse. I'll explain that when we get later in this, but why don't we start from the beginning? Please. Psylocke, a.k.a. Elizabeth Betsy Braddock, and that Elizabeth is spelled with a Z in the British style because she is from the U.K., uh, she first appeared even in Captain Britain number eight in 1976, though the Americans never saw her because that Captain Britain book was published exclusively in the UK. She was the creation of Chris Claremont and Herb Trimpey. And in that book, she was just the sidekick or supporting character to her bigger brother, Captain Britain. And who Captain Britain is famous as like the giant Union Jack dude who can is just super strong. He's like Superman for Britain. That's how Marvel conceived of him anyway. And so in, in 1983, Alamore turned her around a little bit when in his brief run on Captain Britain, where he turned her hair purple, which would stick with her for a while. But that was just the first of many changes for Betsy. And it's important to note, in those early days, she did not have the costume that you associate with Psylocke. No, she absolutely did not. She was just a British pilot who had minor psychic abilities. No uh, no dominatrix anything yet? None of that stuff, okay. no. The dominatrix <laughs> with the strider sash? Chris Claremont would only excise those demons later. She had done all that stuff for about you know eight years, but then the big change came, New Mutants Annual Number 2, October 1986. That was Betsy's first appearance in America. She had been left in the Captain Britain books blind. Mm. Uh, but fortunately, she was kidnapped by Mojo, who then yeah. had her eyes replaced with robot eyes. Jeez. And uh, she was brainwashed to be the star of the Mojoverse TV show Wildlands. 
but she was freed. With Chris Pontius and Steve-O. <laughs> uh, where Mojo hangs out with them and, and shows them cool sharks they can <laughs> jerk off. Hi, Mojo. I'm not going to place this woman's eyes. <laughs> but when they beat, when they defeated Mojo, they unbrainwashed her, and she became part of the New Mutants team training at the Xavier School. And she quickly became a team member of the X-Men, but she was still a... You know, barely trained young British woman who had psychic abilities and robo eyes. Uh, but then that would change pretty swiftly in January 1987 in Uncanny X-Men number 256. Thanks to a very complicated storyline, all the X-Men had their memories erased and were spread to the four winds. When we talked about on the Colossus one how he just became an artist in New York City. Meanwhile, Psylocke got lost in Asia was <laughs> and was, was captured by the Hand. And the Hand was like, she is perfect to turn into our new... Lady Mandarin, who will run the hand in China. And so we were going to super train her in ninja arts, get a crash course in ninja stuff, teach her how to turn her psychic powers into a psychic blade that will not do physical harm, but will hurt you mentally and can even kill you. And because she has to hide out in China and lead their Asian team, she is then given Asian features through plastic surgery so that is why if you've ever wondered why does betsy braddock a british woman look like a japanese woman there you go but you know it didn't stick around she was quickly unbrainwashed she had a fight with wolverine to a standstill and they're like hey wait you're elizabeth remember oh yeah and then she came back with him joined the team she was definitely a favorite of jim lee like her redesign which pretty mm. much stuck was a jim lee redesign which is her you know i guess you'd say like purple onesie it's very like a swimsuit with like yeah. bands around her thighs that eventually turn into like knee-high boots yeah like they're all yeah knee-high boots and like a red sash yeah. and uh and hair tied back and yeah she and always with a cool purple psychic blade like she always looked really awesome yeah, it was part of that big redesign with the x-men number one with cyclops mm-hmm. and everybody got a this redesign and also she had to be like the sexiest i think she was the sex symbol of the team like of all the well, her at least rogue, in jim lee's sure. yeah it is a tough Tough toss-up between her and Rogue. Yeah. Jim Lee definitely also helped make her a sex symbol because he drew her mm-hmm. super-de-duper sexy in the book. Since So then it takes us to like the 90, I believe it was the 91 team split of the blue and gold teams. She ended up on the blue team with Cyclops. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was also when she started hitting on Cyclops and was uh, trying to get things going, even though he was happily committed to Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Right when they would make a move, though, up comes somebody in the old Betsy Braddock body insisting she was the original Betsy as it would turn out though she was actually the real daughter of the Mandarin and the hand who had brain swappage so it wasn't that her face had been reconstructed it was that they had a classic body switch Mm -hmm. at first they had to exist on the same team and then eventually when they found out she was working with the hand they're like you know what just just leave we're gonna separate you two Mm -hmm. And then around the same time when Joe Moderera took over the, as artist on Uncanny X-Men, Psylocke had like this crazy anime adventure about the Crimson Dawn, where Wolverine, Psylocke, and Archangel, but at the time Angel was dating Psylocke, they then go to Asia, 
fight a bunch of ninjas and then search for this thing called the Crimson Dawn, which is a magical, mystical item that then... In- Everybody else is hearing Crimson Dong, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, just wondering. The Crimson Dawn <laughs> then inhabits Psylocke, which gives her a red mark over her left mm. eye, which stuck around for a while. Yeah. But yeah, that was also when she decided, ah, Angel, this stuff isn't going to work between me and you. Like, we're too different. You're a rich guy who then got turned into the <laughs> turned into the Angel of Death by Apocalypse, and you just got back your real human wings. And I am a woman, I, I'm a British pilot who then got turned into a ninja assassin, and now I'm inhabited by a magical beast. We can't be together. Shakespearean. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also in 1997, she was briefly left powerless after a battle with the Shadow King, though that quickly came back. Then cut to 1999. Grant Morrison takes over the new X-Men book, and he's very choosy about who he wants on his X-Men team. Psylocke wasn't one of them, and nor was Storm. And it turned into this thing where Chris Claremont said, I'm going to take all the people Grant Morrison doesn't want and put them in their own goofy X-Men book that ignores what's going on in New X-Men. In fact, on that team, they had a beast who looked like old blue ape beast, not Mm. cat beast as he currently had looked. But that was extreme X-Men. Yeah. Psylocke was a member of the team, and she is dead by issue three, killed by the very memorable enemy, Vargas, who... uh, that's, you know, in wrestling parlance, parlance, it's just like you're trying to put over this new new mm. bad guy so you have him kill a famous character like Psylocke, but it was just a waste. Like, mm. nobody remembers him. Vargas was just another, one of those conspiracy-laden supervillains yeah. that Claremont loved and who is never memorable. Because uh, what happens in Vargas stays in Vargas. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she died in late 2001, and the death stuck pretty good until April 2005, where her brother Jamie brings her back to life to help fight the Shi'ar, and she also led the new Excalibur to battle Shadow Professor Xavier and the Shadow X-Men. Post-M-Day, she is one of the mutants who still gets to keep her powers, which is constantly in fluctuation, and her death also got rid of her Crimson Dawn powers, <laughs> and so she just was back to you know her classic ninja training, and psychic blades. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then a dude named the Slay Master appears, and in a story I'd never heard about before, basically it's Spider-Verse. This dude named the Slay Master goes from all over the multiverse, killing Betsy Braddocks and hunting them down, and she's going to be one of the next ones. So she's going to start training, and she also is going to jump around in universes to find this Slay Master dude, and she joins the team, the Exiles, mm-hmm. and uh, which were, I think Blink is the most famous member of the Exiles, the pink mutant lady who can jump between yeah, universes. She was in um, Days of Future Past movie. Yeah, she was. She was not pretty much totally different from her comic sure. book person, but yeah. Anyway, she's battling the Slay Master with the Exiles when she finally beats that Slay Master. She also on the team of them, uh, the Exiles, was Sabretooth, and that's when she realizes she's in love with with Sabretooth and has a brief relationship with him. Uh, but that's all thrown to crap when Madeline Pryor comes back and she's going to put together the Sisterhood of Evil Mutants. And that includes Betsy, but she is going to resurrect Betsy's old body and put her in there and brainwash her. That doesn't last very long. Her old body finally gets destroyed completely and she gets back into her Asian body again. Oh, then also she finally meets the guy who turned her Japanese, the hand leader, and 
kills him, grants him a death because he's also the dude who killed Mariko. You know, uh, Logan's one true yeah. love. And Logan had been basically torturing him for 10 years. And then she's like, no, I, I, I will grant you death. Like, you, you want a death, I'll, I'll stab you in the brain with my psychic blade and, and give you sweet release. Though she had said she was going to stop killing people and this broke her vow on murder. Then she also rekindled her relationship with Angel just in time to join the team X-Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Archangel paid for X Force, which also had Phantom X on the team, who is the like the mutant scientist, <laughs> and and also Wolverine and Deadpool. It was like Deadpool's first team he was ever officially mm-hmm. on. Then came Avengers versus X Men, where she eh, the the most interesting thing there is she fought Daredevil. I remember that, which totally fits. Like she's hand trained fight Daredevil. Like it's. It's crazy to think they had never yeah. really had an, uh, any mix-ups before then. I, the, like, the hand were so popular in the 80s, they kind of just became like Doctor Doom of like, mm. well, technically, Doctor Doom originated in Fantastic Four, but he fights everybody. Yeah. Same deal with the hand. So then Psylocke starts another relationship, this time with Phantom X. But at the time, Phantom X had been split into three bodies. <laughs> so first she's dating the... Snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> first she's dating the male Phantom X. Then she leaves the male Phantom X and dates the female Phantom X, thus making her canonically bisexual. So, woo. <laughs> but then that she breaks up with both of those Phantom Xs and, and moves away from Paris. She then faces her sometimes rival Spiral. Rival Spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spiral is only memorable, I think, to most listeners from being a uh, playable character in which versus game? Which I Capcom think, I mean, versus? She's in Child, Children of the Atom, and then yeah. she's in MVC2 at least. And I always felt she was just picked because she looked good to be a fighting game character. Yeah, I mean, she's a really cool sprite with six arms and yeah. adds different gameplay elements. I mean, the six arms just make her a cool sprite. It yeah. really does. Then after beating Spiral, she then joined Cable's X-Force, which was the killer X-Force. But at the same time, was a member of Storm's all-women X-Men team with Jubilee, Storm. That was also when she dated a virtual boyfriend who lived in the danger room. A Nintendo virtual boyfriend? (laughs) Uh, But then she ends that and also has kind of a uh, fuck buddies relationship with Cable around the same time. And then that leads right into all-new, all-different era where she is a member of Magneto's X-Men team, which are the ones that are out to protect what's left of mutants at any cost. And Mm. so uh, she's on that team. Oh, yeah, I did forget to mention, at a certain point she killed Angel... And then he came back to life again, but as an amnesiac. So that's, but that's not the angel that's currently dating all new Wolverine. It's uh, a bit complicated. But Psylocke, compared to Angel, I'd actually say Psylocke is kind of less complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to video games, uh, her first video game appearance was as an NPC, non-player character, in the Wolverine NES game from mm-hmm. 1991. She's one of many characters who just like walks by him and sure. gives him stuff. Uh, though she's very amenable to video games like she's got ninja abilities she's a sexy lady and she has energy bolts boom that is a video game character right there uh she's playable in multiple of the versus capcom games uh i think in the first x-men children the atom Uh, that sprite is uh how i confirmed my heterosexuality (laughs) (laughs) Uh, as like a 12 year or i guess 13 or 14 i'm like holy crap 
<laughs> Those hips don't lie. Uh, and she was also in the multiple of the Raven-developed uh, MUA games and X-Men Legends, and as well as in the Marvel Heroes. Like She's in, been in so many video yeah. games, she really does lend herself to them. As for appearances outside of video games, not too many until now. She did appear in the fourth season of the X-Men animated series. Let's give a listen. Nice trick, but it's wasted on a psychic. I don't know how any of you know me or what you want, but I'm out of here. So just back off! And they can't say that they don't say she isn't related to Captain Britain, but they also don't have the license for Captain Britain, right. so they don't not say it. Yeah, and she she also appeared in the Wolverine and the X-Men cartoon series, but I didn't watch that as a kid, so I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> and... And most confusingly, she sort of appears in Last Stand. So, obviously, nobody remembers X-Men Last Stand. We don't have to remember. It didn't happen. You're going to have to remember it in about two weeks. But uh, let me just tell you, in X-Men Last Stand, you know, they have that, uh, that, like, trio of militant mutants that... Uh, kind of lead the group that then Magneto takes over, if you recall. Mm-hmm. And the one guy who has, you know, his killer hugs with his quills popping out. Yeah. Uh, and next to him was an Asian woman with a purple streak in her hair who seemed to have some psychic abilities. According to Zach Penn, the writer of it, that was not supposed to be Psylocke, and it was not named Psylocke in their script, but... When shooting, they're like, oh, you're Psylocke. And so uh, she's credited, actress Mei-Ling Metencon, uh, she is credited as Psylocke in it, even though she is definitely not really Psylocke. Right. It was a waste. If they were going to put Psylocke in the movie, they would not, well, a- honestly, Last Stand is about burning down everything and wasting all potential. So yeah. it, Not going to Jimmy Olsen her. Totally not. <laughs> no. And so then, finally, she is getting her true film debut, as uh, played by Olivia Munn in X-Men Apocalypse, which I just read in the news today, she was barely cast as that. Like, in their original script, they had a different fourth horseman of Apocalypse in there, and they said, oh, this one's kind of lame. Who should it be? Well, it could be Psylocke. Well, who do we play Psylocke? And then they, they said they searched online and saw... One of their first images they saw was fan art of Olivia Munn as Psylocke, and that they they had just interviewed her for the role in Deadpool, and so like, oh shit, she would she could be good. Mm-hmm. So that's how Olivia Munn ended up being like Psylocke. We shall see how good she actually turns out in the film. Views have been great for it, but uh, anyway, that is Psylocke to date. Not uh, pretty complicated, yeah. but not our most complicated superhero spotlight. Collect your hero. Uh, One of my favorite panels of recent memory. It's just from mm-hmm. Battle of the Atom. She just kicks everybody's ass while holding Jubilee's baby. <laughs> wow. And says, uh, this ball weighs 90 pounds, and I swung it one-handed, and I think the baby just pooped. Being a mom <laughs> is easy. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I love that. I had not seen... I not didn't have that outfit, though. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I know. She should be showing a lot more skin. Do you, do you guys remember on... There were so many... <laughs> There were so many, yes, we're, we're laughing at, if you search for any fictional character, you will find fan art of them if they weighed about triple their current weight. It is a strange fetish. I had not, uh, I don't want to make judgments. It is a new fetish to me. I had not, I had not heard of it until doing research on any, on any fictional <laughs> character you will find, yeah. you'll find the fat versions of them. Uh, but do you guys remember what, what, it, in fetish? our in our youth? Yeah, there was the ads for Mile High Comics of like buy our comics, yeah. and they'd always have they almost always would have I think it was Adam Kubert 
uh, or Jim Lee swimsuit picture of oh, I know that picture. Like, yeah, know it well. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, let's get into the news. Chris, ah. I have to ask you, do you think this rumor is true that the Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> are taking over the Tower of Terror in Disneyland? Uh, it is reportedly very true. Oh, um, I, I've seen that's... some people think it's they, they don't want to believe it. It's a damn shame because how much I love that thing. It's You've a been, great ride. It's, been... it's kind of like when the Simpsons took over Back to the Future. It's like, I love both these things, yeah. but you can't take away the thing I loved but the new thing I love it's just that like Twilight Zone man has just stood the test of time for so long Mm -hmm. but then like if you we went to the one in Japan and like there's no Twilight Zone theme at all it's just like this is mildly spooky I like the story of it please the one in Japan like retrofit with Guardians right now but who doesn't like it's there have been no plans of any kind for Marvel in the parks Mm -hmm. in the the American parks at this moment and this being the only one uh, so also, you, just like because it's California Adventure, yeah, and the idea is like, well, Twilight Zone, I'm assuming, was filmed in Hollywood or yeah. something. It's like it very much was, yeah, and it's like it's yes. like that's a California thing, and I, I mean, I, it just, I guess, Guardians was somehow produced out of California, but it's still <laughs> Atlanta like Atlanta mostly, but yeah, but, but it's like it's not like I don't, I like Guardians of the Galaxy, but like, why would you go to all that trouble? It'll yeah, take you, it'll I take mean, years. It's a space thing in Anaheim; they can't just build a new thing. It's true, and so they kind of do have to cannibalize stuff, but. Tower of Terror is so popular. I don't know. All right, yeah, the right is the right didn't is ask full. me this about like when they shuttered the Muppets there, which they have for, was, for like I mean, over a year. Sad, yeah, but it, it, it's but it's nothing yet. It's just yeah. nothing. It's where you see free previews of movies uh, instead of watching a human Sweetums run out at you. <laughs> yeah, and see the last work of Jim Henson. Yep, man. yep, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, well, speaking of Disney corporate moves, Disney Infinity, the most recent biggest console Marvel game, yeah. is no more. It's uh, serendipitously, like moments before that news broke, we put up a video on our YouTube channel about all of Iron Man's uh, history in video games. I might have taken the video from a place I used to work, but I updated it with uh, brand new stuff in VO. So it's new to you. Uh, well, there's just a bunch of new stuff to see what Iron Man's been up to. And Iron Man has been in approximately... Two console games in an ensemble form. In the last five years. Uh, yeah, two, and I would just say two games you play with a controller that don't have cooldown times, in game currency, and a bunch <laughs> of shit that I kind of hate from uh, free to play iPhone games. And that's Lego and Disney Infinity. And that Disney Infinity, at least, was getting updated. It just got updated with yeah. the Battleground stuff for Civil War. And Well, and it was also the only, like, I'd say the past decade has just seen all these on consoles. You know, even when you got a Marvel game, they were, well, this is an X-Men game. This is a Spider-Man game. It's whatever. Yeah, we, but Disney Infinity was everybody. everybody. Yeah, it and, was all of Marvel. And way together. the fuck more, like, also Star Wars. Also, the yeah. Disney characters yeah. proper. Yeah. Finally, Aladdin, Zootopia Jasmine. can hang <laughs> hey, out with don't just on that and that, that Mr. Is, and Mrs. Zootopia. That the is main neat. characters of Zootopia. It is real neat, but I, I think if if I'm judging it by what they didn't they didn't do is that they didn't keep up with demand. If you go into Best Buy now, there's one entire shelf that used to be like games or something else that is just Disney Infinity Amiibo Skylanders. Mm-hmm. And like I was up to date everything Infinity was putting out, which was officially not much. Yeah. Like one one or two things a year, and then the, hoping the community would come and build things for you. Yeah. They just put out that Battleground set for the Civil War characters just to get them in there. But, uh, yeah. That just came out, though. Yeah. That is so new. Well, people saw the writing on the wall when they put out the... Um, when they said, there will be no 4.0. There's no boxed game this yeah, year. And so like the, the Ray of Sunshine I think you have on... Uh, the good news From Binging is, Game Apocalypse is that Disney has always done a lot better not... 
developing its own games internally yeah. and licensing them to other people with the know-how and the interest to make this all happen for them. And and maybe we'll... It's, this could it's going okay this, for Star Wars. Yeah. LucasArts closed too before Disney... Well, not This could Disney. be the start of a new era of Marvel games. Yeah. You know, we talked about that rumored Spider-Man game last time, but I think... I think with no more, I mean, Disney doesn't have a game publisher anymore. So, and I, you got to think there are publishers knocking on their door saying, like, hey, can we put out something? No, we don't want it to compete with Disney Infinity, maybe. I don't know. I doubt that's what they're saying, but like, I think it's, is Iron Man 2 like the last Uh, MCU game, movie based game ever on console? It might be. No, 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 no. The year before Avengers was Cap Cap and Iron Man, or Cap and Thor. Thor. Those were the last two. 2011. It's been five years. These movies have been dominating the box office. Every facet of merchandise and don't have big budget games. That seems nuts. They just want to be on phones and PC. Like Marvel Heroes does feel like. That's that's also adopting the model. And they say, I have three Disney games on my phone that will not be shut down because they're not made by Disney Interactive. They're made by other companies that they license them to. Uh, So I read a great quote from Kevin Feige at the um, Civil War release. By the way, if you're waiting for us to. Talk about Civil War. We did all see it, but we did that on Laser, Laser Time, Time this baby. week. I'd, I'd hope you listen to that, mm-hmm. especially because I worked real hard on a quiz in the second segment there. I want you all to give it a listen. A regular Billy Quiz Boy, Hank. <laughs> but I, I don't want to spoil Civil War on this podcast anyway, so no, don't have to worry about it, people. But So Kevin Feige, the mastermind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they asked him on the red carpet, why did Deadpool work so well? It's one of the, it's one of the few non-MCU films to really, like, just click in, uh, and with a Marvel character. And he had this great quote. The other secret, and why it's still a secret, I don't know. They just took what Deadpool is in the comics. He breaks the fourth wall. He talks into the camera. He doesn't give a shit about any of these other heroes. He doesn't take anything seriously. Yeah. All of that is what made Deadpool so popular in the comics. Tim and other people and Ryan Reynolds were able to get that and even magnify it up on the big screen. We've always said that if there's any secret, it's respect for the source material. Understand the source material and then any adaptation you make from the source material should only be done to enhance whatever the original pure spirit of it yeah, was. I think that movie succeeds because it, it winks at the Marvel Universe but doesn't mm-hmm. involve it at all. Even yeah. the MCU that it's legally not allowed to play with. <laughs> but we talked about how, like, we, we talked about this, I guess, off mic, mm-hmm. off mic conversation. Can you believe we had one? Really? Uh, but we talked about how all these old films used to be like, oh, we have to take the tiniest bare bones of it, get the name, yeah. and then just put it on screen and make it into a And then a we'll shitty do movie. our Hollywood mm-hmm. thing and not yeah. acknowledge the source material at all. We'll and you're fix s- it. Yeah, that wears its source material on its sleeve rather than like, you're be lucky, be, feel, feel lucky that you didn't have to grow up with like a He-Man movie or a yeah. Mario Brothers movie like we did. Or like, like Doom even. Yeah, like, that barely remem- resembles its source material yeah. and it turns out like in almost every aspect, respecting the source material, yeah. will get, will, getting you over with geeks can only help your word of mouth. Now, an honest trailers, guys, why Watch the honest trailers for Deadpool this week. I just saw they like Ryan Reynolds is just on it and and is really funny. But they talk about how like they barely got to make this film. Like it only got made because it leaked. Like somebody leaked the test footage and everybody loved it. And then they were pushing for Fox. Like can you please make like everybody wanted it. They also wanted it R rated. Like Fox did not want it to be as good as it was yeah. in the way that it was. It would have been worse. We should have played that clip on that. He's on a talk show. He's like so. But who leaked it? And he's like, 
Well, it had to be me or two other people. <laughs> and I, so my answer is I don't know, but it could have only been like three or four people. Uh, and well, we definitely did it. Well, you know what? X, uh, what mutants aren't getting good reviews, and that's X-Men Apocalypse. says uh, It doesn't have Batman versus Superman level tomato meter, but it's like what's 44%. Tomometer, I believe. Tomometer. It only had... Tomometer. It, it only had a 44% on the tomometer, which... Like the reviews, the reviews seem to be either is this an oral thermometer or a thermometer. <laughs> the reviews seem to be like, "Oh, this is fun," or "This wastes all the potential of Days of Future Past." Or in general, though, pretty much nobody thinks it's better than Days of Future Past. And a reviewer I really like mm-hmm. said it said it was barely better than the two worst X Men films, Last Stand and Wolverine Origins. It's a real bummer, but it really did look like that didn't it Man, uh, i want to believe it could be good like it comes I out i think 10 years to the weekend of wow. last stand wow, wow. Man. time uh well hey here's some fun dating news guys chris evans has oh, a new oh. lady on his arm yeah a, well it sounds like all oh, you guys already know it so i was gonna see if you could guess but Former SNL star, she said fuck on SNL famously, <laughs> uh, the star of uh, that abortion movie, I forget the name of. That was but, a good movie, but I forgot the name of it too. Yep. Uh, obvious Child. Obvious uh, Child. Uh, obvious Child. Jenny Slate of also what, uh, Michelle of, the Shell with Sushi. Marcel the Shell and also yeah. allegedly current writer of the upcoming Looney Tunes film. Wow. I didn't know that, but she's she is amazing. I love her. She, she is, also has a sizable role in Zootopia. Uh, but she's super funny, super cute, has a cute voice. But she is dating Chris Evans, like Captain America. Yeah. It's crazy. Just, like, just uh, divorced her husband. And yeah. Like, that's, that, a, that's a trade-up. That did make me <laughs> sad to hear that at first because I'd heard her on a podcast interview, them talk about what a great couple they seemed yeah. like. They were called the, uh, on the podcast, they were called the Jewish Ken and Barbie. Though, and that, like, I don't know. Like, if I'm, if I'm her husband, I'm like... What what the only thing that could replace me is Captain Fucking America. <laughs> yes. Like she joked about how like when she first met him, this is a giant hunk, hunky <laughs> man. How could I ever be with him? And then just she said they talked for like 9 hours straight and like, "Oh yeah, I could be with this guy forever." Duh. And I read a funny I read a funny tweet from Mindy Kaling saying like, "Oh, so I could get Thor now, right?" So like <laughs> it, Yeah. He's got to work his way through a lot of people first. <laughs> and he is. He, I think he's working hard to get through all those people. Darkseid might not be the main villain in the first Justice League film. It seems like they're going to start with one of the you know lower level mm. new gods to fight the Justice League. And then they trade up to Darkseid. Oh yeah, Marvel says they're committed to making a Black Widow film. Mm-hmm. I would like, I'd like to see that. I think, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson can open movies. Though I bet they're just waiting for that Ghost in the Shell movie to fail. This thing's like, ah, see if she can't open a movie, she can't right. start an action film. They all are, they already had that trailer on SNL, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why don't they do what they do with all of their other heroes and not put her in a film alone mm-hmm. and maybe with several of the dozen other just people they Just put her name on it and, yeah. and, tell, and make the movie about everybody. There. Uh, I, I re- what I'd really like to see is the same way um, that the Winter Soldier was kind of like a 1970s spy thingy-majig. Just like yeah. a really cool Cold War throwback. Ooh, like a big yeah. conflict with Russia. That's true. You know, it was, it was distracting in Civil War when he called... When he called Winter, Winter Soldier Manchurian Candidate, I was just like, no, you're, you're ruining the, the reference. <laughs> he, he's created as that reference, and now you're saying it. Uh, and lastly, I uh, oh yeah, that Sharon Stone might be the original Wasp. That was uh, 
She said she has a tiny part in a Marvel movie, and I can think of tiny, huh? I can think of no better casting if Janet Van Dyne was her because of she's been in like two or she was famously in Fatal Attraction with Michael Douglas, aka Hank Pym. Basically, it stinks. Oh wait, no, it was Basic Instinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Fatal Attraction was. Yes, there's a scene in uh, the next Ant Man where she uh, spreads her thorax. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we're gonna take a quick. There was one oh, thing yes. I did see because it was a big ass bummer. They removed X Men references from a Marvel calendar. Oh yeah, I did see from, that. I, I, they, I just couldn't believe it's gone that far. So the calendar is one. Actually, Brett uh, as a nice gift once gave me this type of calendar, which is famous Marvel covers yeah. in calendar form, and then you can just take them off the calendar and then frame them. That's yep. the suggestion. And so it's this classic cover of She-Hulk, Sensational She-Hulk number one, John Byrne, where he she's holding up a copy of her comic and says, buy this comic or I'm going to go to your house and rip up all your X-Men. Yeah. The new cover is just like, buy this comic or I'm going to go to your house and rip up all of yours. That's wow. it. And so, again, it's just like, nope, no X-Men. It really does feel like just the rule of no X-Men allowed. That's like, so weird. Yeah, and... It was just the logo and the word X-Men. Yeah. That's all it was. Which and, they own. Which <laughs> they own. But I guess not in calendar form. Maybe a different calendar company has the X-Men rights. I, I think they just don't want to give X-Men any publicity. Yeah, it's... It's a huge bummer to, like, to like just squelch their existence like that. You're a big like enough that. fan that you have a calendar. Are you... Is that, yeah. that is that one logo going to make you, oh, yeah, X-Men. I should buy X-Men comics. Yeah. I should give Fox, 20th Century Fox, all the X-Men money I have. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like that's over, and maybe, who knows, like, if this X-Men series falters, maybe it's just one I mean, more way to get them to play with the MCU. It only took one or two films for Spider-Man to... Seeing Spider-Man in that... Uh, I, I read a whole article about how it was the perfect Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But seeing Spider-Man in that movie could only rekindle the feeling of... Marvel should just have back every character. Like there, there should be no debate. Like yeah. this, they fixed Spider-Man. They had the perfect Black Panther. Yeah. Give them back every other character. You don't and have to work as hard back. as establishing yeah. that universe at all. You just toss them into the mix. It's great. And they let Sony keep the Spider-Man yeah. too. Like it's still a Sony film. They. Mm-hmm. Ah, whatever. All right. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, the question of the week answers your Ask Hank questions for me and also a story of me meeting Stan Lee. So much rhyming. Are you already tired of 2016? Jump into the past with 302010, our weekly pop culture time machine podcast. Here's something you may remember from 1996. Dana Carvey show premieres oh, on so, and I have never heard of this but uh, Steve Carell a cast member on the show uh, Ted, Ted Koppel impression I want to say to the Japanese hey Mr. Yakitori hey Mrs. Teriyaki hey make your own boom boxes and sushi we don't need you and I want to say to the Mexicans hey Pablo Don <laughs> Deus a 40 foot wall of reinforced steel Pablo <laughs> uh, ha- barbed wire Pablo <laughs> So like so this is what this we is, call satire. This is now the current yes, exa- actual like politics. This, I, it doesn't have the bite hearing this right now, but in '96 after yeah. Home Improvement, this is funnier and more irreverent than SNL oh, yeah, with a bigger yeah. budget. I think another character on that same episode they ate the heart of a Mexican. 
That's 30 2010, a weekly look at what happened in pop culture 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago, every Thursday right here on the Laser Time Network. Welcome to the break of this Patreon-supported podcast, Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast. And we really appreciate all your support, whether it's by subscribing to this podcast, buying things through our Amazon links, just visiting lasertimepodcast.com, but especially anybody who supports us through patreon.com slash lasertime. That is the easiest way to directly support us, because this is our full-time job doing podcasting. Can you believe it? And also, the podcast is now on Stitcher and Google Play, if that is your preferred place to listen to audio. And now it's time for the Hank's Corner Pick of the Week. You know, I feel so sad that I had missed getting to meet Kate Leth at the local comic shop signing that I would like to at least make it up to her and you listeners by saying to get the first volume of her Hellcat series patsy walker aka hellcat it is going to be collected very soon you can buy a copy of that through the link on this episode page and a little bit of money gets kicked back our way the book is really really fun it's like it reminds me a lot of the classic japanese comedy books of the 80s like mostly the work of rumiko takashi it's a lot of fun i really enjoyed it is a new spin on hellcat and this entire other fun corner of the marvel universe so check it out there'll be a link on this week's episode page all right now back to the rest of the show And we're back, everybody, for the second segment of 188. What you've been reading should instead be called this week, What You've Been Freeing oh. <laughs> at Free Comic Book Day, because this still Saturday to change it. I made was sure to, I made sure to, Comic Book Day. I made sure to take the stuff I knew no one would want, which means a new story with Tick, hooray, uh-huh. yes. and the fucking Pink Panther. The I Pink Panther that. baby is back in comic form. Da, 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 da. And I just like, I don't want these all to go into a furnace. <laughs> like, I will rescue one of them. And uh, uh, yeah, a really fun haul for me because like, everything was discounted. I spent less than 50 bucks. I got the whole Earth X collection used. I got the new fade out. Did. I did. I haven't had time to crack any of it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can't wait to. I got uh, I got uh, Spider Man stories on vinyl. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I got the I got the uh, another volume of Donald Duck comics from those Fantagraphic uh, Donald Duck comics are phenomenal. Those Barks collections uh, and, really good. And Dave, you also went to a free comic book yeah. day. Uh, I bought. Uh, Chris mentioned it last week, but I bought uh, the Humans. Oh, you got your own volume. Humans. Yes. So uh, I love the first one, and I. I like this one even more. Yeah. It's wow. just a lot more violent, a lot it, more. It turns into Mad Max really quickly without yes. even. Yes, <laughs> and there is. I mentioned. I mentioned this on. I think on some other show, but like, cannot read this on the bus. I've been trying to read it on the bus. There is in the very middle. There is like Monkey a three-page spread of intermingling or cutting between 
a hardcore sex scene and basically a slaughter of a like a, a ton of biker monkeys. Wow! And uh, I'm like, I I'm still in, I'm in the back of the bus and I still have to like huddle up with it and like nobody can see this. Uh, it's really good. Did you grab any free books? Uh, I, did, I I got one because they they were. Very adamant that the place I was at, like, you can only get three. Mm-hmm. And there were, like, a ton of kids around. So I just picked up, like, the most adult-sounding thing. So I picked up Love and Rockets, which oh, is, like, a really yeah. old comic. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really uh, I mean, cracked into it, a- but, like, I opened the first page, and it's like, holy shit, this has been around for 35 years. Yeah. There's a lot of lore. But it, it, it's, it's the kind of comic yeah, I, I like. I picked it's up a free copy of Avengers magazine. Who says wow. Prince is dead? Wow. Uh, yeah, the Love and Rockets invented by Los Bros Hernandez in the mid-'80s to be the first... Uh, uh, well, one of the early pioneers in indie comics in the yeah. '80s, and they also are big wrestling fans, what? mainly Mexican wrestling. But yeah, uh. they—that's uh, the one of the few of their books I've read. I have not read enough of their stuff, but one of their ones I read was about a Mexican tag team wrestling women, mm-hmm. and it was a really good book. Like it was slice of life, but about pro wrestling. Well, guys, my free comic book day was... Just one second, because oh, yeah. it leads All into right. yours. Oh, okay. Because I went uh, way out of my way to a different comic store than I ever go to, because <laughs> the girlfriend found out about a plant sale. So I went to a little place called Amazing Fantasy, and I took a picture and tagged it on Instagram, which I want to do on free comic day. It helps. I really do like the idea of even talking with Heidi and Elston about it. The one thing I came away with, there, for some reason, is no comic book store chain. Yeah, every yeah. comic book store is open because someone is kind of dedicated to making it happen, and, and who is happy with making cents on the dollar. Who has been, who is, as we know, been through a shitload of ups and downs. Yep. So, like, why not once a year support your local comic store? So I decided, why not this one? I, I haven't ever been here on Free Comic Day. I tagged it on Instagram, and within about an hour, every tag on Instagram included photos of that comic store and Stan Lee. Yes. And like, how did that happen? How did Stan Lee walk into this random, <laughs> the smallest store I've ever been to on Free Comic Day? He walked into randomly. Oh, damn it. I was looking, I, I thought the tweet about this thing was on here, but it's not. <laughs> I'm going to tweet about that this. Italian guy leave. Finally, I can show up. I definitely didn't. <laughs> so, so many people rub up against it, me, I'll turn to dust. Yeah, your Stan Lee encounter Why was... Why was he in town? Well, he was in San Francisco for Free Comic Book Day because of the San Francisco Giants, the Major League Baseball team, they had Marvel Superheroes Day on Free Comic Book Day, which is why I didn't go to Free Comic Book Day in my local store, which really sucks because Kate Leth was at it, who is the writer of AKA Hellcat and one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. Would have loved to have met her in person, but... Obviously, you know, the baseball game that my mom bought me tickets for. Thank you, Mommy. Uh, but, <laughs> You're welcome, sir. Uh, <laughs> Love my boy. Uh, but yeah, so she... She's so long. She spent the extra money to get us the VIP tickets to do the meet and greet Q&A with Stan Lee. And so, you know, my mom even said, oh, what if he does sign stuff? I knew he wasn't going to sign stuff. But I was like, my I don't want... to made of chalk. I don't want to... I don't want to have some... I can cough on anything you'd like. <laughs> I, I said to myself, I don't want to have nothing for him to sign if he is signing stuff. But then I thought, well, what is the one thing I'd want him to sign? And it would be my amazing Spider-Man omnibus that has every issue he did with Steve Ditko in it, which is a, like, 12-pound hardcover <laughs> edition. So I'm carrying that around with me all day to never get signed by him, but oh, I get boy. to lug it around the giant stadium. So that was fun. But uh, going there to the Triples Alley, we are all standing around. It's all these other fans. And... Uh, 
a lot of kids like i really got to feel the excitement through them and that was also why when the q a part came i had a minor question i'd have for stan lee but there were all these kids around me just jumping up and down like me 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 really? i was like it would be wrong of me to ask take a question from I, I have been curious but like how would a kid associate stan lee with marvel comics they love my cameos. probably the same yeah <laughs> probably the same way i did as a kid no. he was just the cartoon who hosted marvel but stuff. he's not that he's anymore in every movie well but he, he is in every he movie. is in every movie that's right but also the mythos of stan lee is still a big thing of just yeah. like if you're reading a marvel comic you know who's Stanley is. I discovered him through the Marvel card. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that, people. YouTube. Exactly. So, YouTube. And it's strangely, he doesn't seem to have aged visually from how old he looked <laughs> in 1990. Yeah, kind of. He, he's 93 now. Jesus. and uh, But I was worried of like, oh, there's this stool here. Is he really going to sit on a stool for 30 yeah. minutes? Like, that doesn't seem healthy for him. So you didn't get to ask your question. Uh, and I also, well, no, I did not. But uh, I also, though, was judging the kids just a little bit because they had their comics out for him to sign. And I was like, that's the most recent issue of Spider-Man. He had nothing to do with that, but fine. You just bought a new Spider-Man comic. You want him to sign it. I get it. The one that bothered me more was, to the kid to my right, they had Amazing Spider-Man 340, 41, and 42, which might be important comics to them. That is the one where Spider-Man fights Venom on an island and oh, leaves yeah. a bunch of bones. Yeah, and the Eric tricks. Larson one. Yeah, classic Eric Larson. Uh, the cover. most fucked up his face has ever been. It is a crate. I mean, that cover of yeah. Venom lunging at Spider-Man on the cover with the green slime oozing out of his mouth. But they had those there. I was like, I think that's three thirty-two. Spider. The point is, Stanley had nothing to do with those comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to have you have old comics, which I hate to admit, those are old comics, but. Yeah. Those comics had to be like at least fifteen years older than the kids holding them. Yeah. So it's like if you got old comics, why one Stanley didn't even do at least get an anniversary issue like he wrote a page for? Or Maybe something. that's all they got, Henry. I guess I. But they have rich parents who can pay for this VIP ticket <laughs> thing. They, they should have better comics than that. Well, as long as they learned a lesson. I did see. I didn't ask him a question because what I realized is if you ask Stanley a question that isn't about appearing in a Marvel film in a cameo. If the question is before 1971, he will tell you a stock answer I have heard eight million times, and I could. And he actually did give a stock answer that I whispered the end of the story into my mom's ears because I was like, I know how this story ends, and I've heard him say it eight times. But so I was like, well, I can't ask him that. If I ask him about anything else, he will have no answer, and it'll just be kind of sad to see him fumble for an answer as an old man. So I was like, all right, then I'm not going to ask it. Let some kid ask it, and. Uh, Oh, but before he came out, Peter Shinoka, who is the leader of the hand in Daredevil, he appeared unannounced. He was like, hey, but first, let's interview Peter here. Hey, he's the he's a villain in Daredevil. And let me tell you, the MC, like they had a Giants employee, I must assume, do the MCing because he was just like, isn't this exciting Marvel, right? Yeah, everybody. So uh, Daredevil, what's, uh, what's that about? Jesus. It's like, man, fuck you. Like, Please just, welcome Stanley Lee. You know, I was really into Evil Knievel as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Daredevil's very appropriate for all the children here. Yes. Yeah. Let me tell you about this R-rated Netflix show that uh, kids will want to see. I, I, had, I got burned to death. The better New Yorker is slowly trying to convince people to impale themselves in their own face. Yes. I was burned to death, and then I cut the hero to pieces. Uh, but so he was... Uh, so he was he's a big Marvel fan uh, it, he revealed he had lots of info they knew about it, and then it also made me feel kind of bad for me just like oh you're a big Marvel fan you've been dreaming your whole life maybe to be cast as a Marvel character and you're 
Nobu, oh a guy they made up. To hey, at be least you can be someone else too. Pull Chris yeah. Evans. That's true. <laughs> or or uh, yeah. Anyway, then came out uh, a video monitor, and we were worried that like. <laughs> Wait, are we going to get remote Stanley? Like we I'm paid calling Stan from Lee. the car. I'm a the robot air now. Is perfect in here. Well, I was also worried he just woke up with like I'm very sick, very and, uh, but I said I'd be here. So. But no, it was Axel Alonso, the editor in chief of Marvel Comics, who is the most uh, like energetic of it because he reveals he is a big San Francisco Giants fan, even mm. though he works in Manhattan. Like he loves and loves and loves. Where them. were you two years ago? He was talking about like, oh man, remember when Panda got those three home runs in the World Series? And I was what? like, uh, yeah, yeah. Is that in Secret Wars? <laughs> that was in the 2010 World Series, right, Dave? I think so. Uh, oh, Dave I don't doesn't care. care I don't care, that. but if they're not the Mets, I don't care. <laughs> and that's uh, what I wanted to ask, too. Like, hey, what are you wearing that uh, Giants jersey for? Spider-Man's a Met fan. But anyway. Not, uh, for, this, not for the money they're paying me. <laughs> and Axel Alonso also talked about how Hunter Pence, who is a mm-hmm. star player for the Giants, he had gone to their Manhattan offices and was, like, super geeking out. Like, Hunter Pence is apparently a big old nerd. Mm-hmm. I had not known this, though. Old friend of the show, Tyler Wilde, mm-hmm. uh, clarified this for me, that Hunter Pence is famously it's a so nerd. so sad that's the only mm-hmm. reason Tyler knows Marvel as a headquarters. <laughs> he yeah. was very excited for me tweeting all about Giants, the Giants <laughs> game, all day long. Uh, Brett was not. <laughs> uh, we, we talked about this on bonus time, our patron exclusive show. All right. So anyway, then Stanley comes out. They were trying to wait for him to come out, but then I think Stanley was told like, "Oh, I'm uh, you'd walk me down, so I'm gonna sit on the thing." And then the host was just like, "Oh, and uh, I guess Stan Lee's here. Hey, Stan. Uh, yeah, everybody, it's the man." Like I felt bad for Peter Shinoka because showed up early because it's cheaper to eat. <laughs> he was answering. He was answering. He was in the middle of answering a question, and then Stanley walks out, and his words didn't matter at all anymore. And he and he knew it. So I was behind a guy who was filming the entire thing on his GoPro, and I found his YouTube video, and so. <laughs> Let's see if you guys can you hear there. me. If you can, let's see if you can hear my fun laughter in some of these uh, replies. <laughs> <from> the <video. laughs> uh, so here, uh, so here was when they asked Stan Lee what his favorite cameo was. He at first he got mixed up and said the one in Thor, but he actually was talking about his Age of Ultron one. So I had a drink, and I wanted to drink it, and he said it would be too strong for me, but I drank it anyway, and the next scene they were carrying me out. Now, the thing, you may not know this, but the thing I love about it, it was my only cameo where I had two scenes. (laughs) Awesome. And then I kept in that bit at the end, like, just the MC going, like, Awesome. Hey, so my next question on the sheet people, of paper I'm holding. Why are people yelling Excelsior Didn't and he constantly it? yelling the whole time? Because he says it in that scene. That is yeah. the line he says in the I scene. I know, it's just I can't believe how many people are talking over this 93-year-old I man. Yeah, well, we on one end, we were all excited, but also like... There were more annoying nerds than me there who wanted to prove how much they... Look, right. I wanted to prove how much I knew stuff, sure. but just to my mom and to whisper the answer <laughs> in her ear. These other guys wanted to shout, like, Excelsior, that's what he said. I couldn't help but pelt him with my underoos. <laughs> but also his first line on stage... Line, the first thing he said on stage was Excelsior. That was the first yeah. thing he said. The neighborhood in San Francisco. Then a giant sigh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here's, here's a moment of him being cute. Or Captain America with that shield. Yeah, he throws that shield and he hits what he's aiming at. And I got a big head. 
Yeah. You're you're just a, I cut it off there where a guy's like <laughs> That wasn't me, I promise. But uh he also made fun of DC and uh twice and it was really funny. Okay, so here's Brett has to run away, so you won't be hearing Brett's voice anymore in this podcast. Bye. He made fun of DC twice and it was really funny to me. And it's so funny, I think you will hear me laughing in this. I'll tell you a funny thing about that. <laughs> when we changed our name to Marvel our competitor was called National Comics, that's the, the Superman company. So they said, well, if they change their name, we're going to change our name. So this is an example of the thinking of the two companies. We became Marvel, and they became DC. <laughs> I mean, you'd think they lost a bet or something. But... Could you tell they my suck. <laughs> uh, that was just great. That was great. He was because he talked about the question started where they said, "What were you doing in your twenties?" He says, "I was working for Marvel, but we had a different name back then." And I said to my mom, "It was timely, timely." And he's like, "It was timely." And then we, and then we were Atlas, and then we were Marvel. And yeah, we, will, t- we were Nickel Comics for a while, <laughs> and this was his other. But that does it was, it was Detective Comics. It's called DC because of Detective Comics, but like that is kind of boring compared totally. to Marvel. Marvel that says what it wants More to be. More like Defective Comics. <laughs> he always called them the Distinguished Competition. That's ah. what the DC stood for. To Arts Stanley. and farts and crafts. No, uh, and here's the hot American summer. <laughs> Here's the last. <laughs> here's the last fun clip of Stan uh, making fun of DC. Yeah. Did you know we were the only company that gave our heroes nicknames? For instance, <laughs> Spider-Man was Spidey. Now nobody ever called Batman Batty or Superman Soupy. <laughs> it's a little something that I'm telling you that nobody else realizes. Don't thank me. Just fear it in mind. Here in That's nice. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice, and he, you know, not used to this kind of exclusive. <laughs> and he got the, you know, he had the secret. He had the usual question: Who's your favorite superhero that you made? Spider Man. Uh, and then they also, though, Axel Alonso really talked up Black Panther a lot, which I, like he was. He talked about how the Black Panther was the best Black Panther like you'd ever seen in mm-hmm. Civil War. And he also mentioned that the Black Panther won comic from last month by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm-hmm. It was apparently one of their biggest selling single issues ever really? in the last wow. like long time. Holy he shit. said every print sold out 300,000 copies. Like huh. uh, Normally, something that is at number one on the diamond list is a hundred thousand copies, maybe a hundred and fifty. Oh. For it to sell three hundred, like that's the crossover appeal that I think Coates, you know, a I believe Pulitzer Prize winning author. Yeah, totally. I think he pulled in a lot of people who would not buy a comic Absolutely. book normally. I think more than the movie would have. Yeah, they need to Evidently. Yeah, evidently. That well, was before the movie. Well that is like what, one twentieth of uh, the people that saw the movie. <laughs> I, yes, but like, how many of them went out and bought a Black Panther yeah. comic after yeah. Civil War? No, and the comic is really good. Like, I hope the people who got it enjoyed totally it. Totally forgot it was out. But Axel Alonso was really proud of Black Panther, which was great, and he's so excited. Black Panther is now like an international superstar thanks to Civil War. Uh, so then, yeah, Stanley didn't sign anything though. They did do a raffle for some signed prints, and uh, I did not win, sadly. But I felt really did you bad. Cry and your mom was it, there. If you would have won, and there was a sad kid behind you, would you have given it away? Like if no. it's not a baseball, I just said, "Fuck you, kid." This I can't imagine fine. I would. No way. But, but if you do it, at a, if you, the 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 common courtesy at a baseball game is if you catch a baseball, 
You give it to a little kid. It's a stupid yeah. baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Stanley's signature yeah, is different. Guess, well, yeah. I would say this at a... Though, then again, it's more easy for me, theoretically, to get a Stanley signature than, like, wherever a ball goes in a baseball game. Like, I've attended probably a, over a dozen mm-hmm. baseball games in my life. A foul ball, I don't think, has come with even, even like, 50 feet of me. Yeah. It rarely happens. Yeah. The, you talk about the kids thing, though, Dave, and that mm-hmm. is... I was feeling that through the game and before it of just, like, seeing the excitement through children, you know, that I saw how excited this kid standing in front of me was to ask Stan a question. He was jumping up and mm-hmm. down to the point where then, when the guy was asking his last couple questions... I and everybody else was pointing at the kid. A bunch of other people were pointing at the kid like, ask this kid the question. He's really excited. And sadly, he didn't get to because that MC was garbage. (laughs) Terrible MC there. Uh, And I got a Captain America bobblehead colored the San Francisco Giants orange and black. Uh, The game was fun. Stanley said play ball. He did not throw out the first pitch. And the Giants mascot, Lucille, the the (laughs) seal, was dressed as Spider-Man. So wearing a Spider-Man costume over the mascot uniform. And uh, the Giants won in the 13th inning. It was also fun watching everybody leave. But I was like, nope, I'm sticking around till the end of this game. I'm going to see it. And the Giants won. And so It's good for traffic, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Well, we were still stuck in traffic for a while. It was a long line to the Bay Bridge. Uh, but so that is my story of being within breathing room yeah. of Stanley. Within assassination distance of exactly. Stanley. Yeah, and it was, the, that's how I saw it as an assassination. No, I, <laughs> that's how I saw it as just like, you know, if I went to see, say, Buddy Hackett when he was alive. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an old committee. George Carlin, fine, let's say that. If I want to see George Carlin while he oh. was alive. I wouldn't feel bad that I didn't get him to sign an old album. Mm-hmm. I would have just been happy to say, like, this person is old and won't be around for much longer. I got I, to say it with the young Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and me too. And so you, yeah, it was just nice to get the moment. I saw him as just a stand-up. He was, he was being a living cartoon, saying the funny things. Like, I got entertained by that. So I had a good time. I didn't get to ask him a question. He didn't sign anything. But that's okay. Just... I got to be near Stan and got to see the excitement on children's faces when they got to meet Stanley. On free comic book day follow-up, though, the next day I went to my local shop. I bought our friend Bob Mackey uh, some comic books as a gift. I was like, I wanted to patronize mm-hmm. my local comic shop, but I would rather buy a gift for a friend mm-hmm. instead of just buy myself more comics when I already have a literal pile of comics I need to read and have yet to. New co- comics you've read before. In that case, too, yeah. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'll just buy Bob Mackey, Sex Criminals Volume 1, and Bitch Planet Volume 1. And I think you will enjoy both of those. I got him uh, Duck Knight Returns, because Dave never wants it. The Darkwing Duck comic book? That's great. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Perennial Day's Homework uh, Reject. Yes. yes. But really good. <laughs> As for what I've been reading, I did read... Archie number eight, a neat continuation of the Archie books. Saw Southern Bastards thirteen, which ended the homecoming story, and it was really good. Like it is a a gut punch of Southern racism that issue. And it this is, is going to be adapted to a Spider Man movie somehow. <laughs> uh, there was the Fix number two, which is you know that really funny book from the creators of Superior Spider uh, Spider Foes. Uh, you know Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. It is a 
I guess you'd call it a Tarantino-style crime comedy. It's really funny. I, I, I really enjoyed issue two. I also read Black Panther number two, which was a, a nice chapter, though it's it, he's writing it to be a long-form book. So a single issues, they're not astoundingly good, but I love where they're going. Then meanwhile, in a good single issue was Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number seven, which was a choose-your-own-adventure comic book. It was nice. pretty nuts. Uh, damn it. I didn't mean to make a Dave-style pun there, but I did. All right, but that's all I've been reading. If nobody else has things they read to mention, let's get into the Ask Hanks section here. Yebheb, Yeb, Yebheb asked, I tried getting into Transmetropolitan, but for some reason it didn't click with me. Maybe it hasn't aged as well as other classics. Question is, should I still check out Planetary? I really want to buy the Omnibus since it gets so much praise. But being the same writer's transmit, maybe I won't like it as much as the general public does. I think the art is amazing. Like, even if you don't care for Warren Ellis' words, the art is some of my favorite comic book art of all time. And secondly, transmat is about 90s politics. And what if Hunter S. Thompson was in the future, but looking at 90s politics? While meanwhile, Planetary is, let's look at the entirety of comic book history in one single issue story at a time. It's really good. I, I, I'd say even if you didn't like Transmet, I think you will like Planetary. Though, you know, maybe don't start with the whole omnibus and pay the, all that money. Like, maybe just start with Volume 1, see if you like it. Don't don't invest all that money into it. Danger 5 is Alive says, As a Dutch guy, I grew up reading only European comics because it was hard getting your hands on American ones. Excluding Donald Duck comics, those things are huge in the Netherlands. So I have to ask, do you guys ever read any European comics? Mm. No, I mean... Other, I read Black Sad. I read Black Sad. Yeah, Black Sad was great. And I really did love that. And as a kid, I read Tintin some. Oh, I read, yeah. uh, uh, I read uh, we just did a thing on 302010 about the last episode of Banana Man. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, Man. I was a huge fan of Danger Mouse. And some for some reason, away uh, um, on summer vacation at a beach house, mm. that beach, this small beach, St. George Island, Florida, had, had a French or English newspaper and like Asterix and Ast- like yeah. uh, Asterix Roger and the Artful Dodger. Like there's just all these <laughs> Roger Dodger, col- yeah. color comics that I'd never heard of and I was every time, every summer I'd try and get as many yeah. as I could. Oh, yeah, I mean like uh, if Brito and Irish comics count, every other year when I was in like elementary and middle school we would go to Ireland and I would read The Dandy and the Beano which are like these compilation books. Sounds and, terrible uh, every time you say and it. There, but. But there was also Zig and Zag who are like, they even like, they, they, they had a cartoon, well they're puppets, but like they had their own comic book too comic book I really liked and you can like watch their clips on YouTube they're absolutely atrocious and, uh, and Smurfs probably little yeah little, little the, Smurfs. the Smurfs uh, yeah I don't hey, <laughs> yeah I, if you don't count England I haven't read much uh, European stuff and the European artists I have seen are usually because they drew a Marvel or DC character like in the case of Mobius like I know Mobius did lots of great comics but the only one I've read is the Silver Surfer one, and he did with Stan Lee. Uh, but I do need to expand my horizons with comics beyond U.S., England, and Japan, I suppose. Uh, and then last, uh, oh, and then Movie Brad asked a question, but that's going to be this week's question of the week. So before I go into that, let's do last week's question of the week's mm. replies, which were, uh, is there an artist or writer you follow from project to project even if you don't like the writer or artist they're working with. J.J.B. Sterling says, I would say artist Phil Notto 
but it's happening right now with the Poe Dameron comic. He's probably my favorite artist, but for whatever reason, I just have zero interest in reading any Star Wars comics. So clearly, Star Wars, like, that's funny. All these people are seeing Phil Nato's work for the first time because they only read Star Wars comics. And this person's reading their first Star Wars comic ever because Phil Nato's in it. Uh, John Wihizel said, Scott Snyder is definitely one of them. Nick Spencer is another. Although I don't think his style is what is well suited for Captain America. Yeah, I did not like his run on Captain America either. I've also read, I'll also read anything Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips team up on. And Jason Aaron is so diverse that I always give his new stuff a chance. Oh, and I will grab anything that Kelly Jones draws. I love his work so much. Even his Batman with yardstick-long bat ears. And yeah, he he drew the gothiest Batman of the 90s with ears that would not quit. They were (laughs) really long ears. If you think the ears in the Arkham games are long, like, they can't compare to Kelly Jones ears. Uh, About 37 Pygmy Giraffe says... I have bought every single comic that Jonathan Hickman has written. His Fantastic Four run is one of my favorite comic book runs ever. Because of that book, I went back and read his Secret Warriors book and read Avengers all the way into Secret Wars. His deep appreciation for continuity appeases my inner need that all continuity matches up perfectly. I am never happy. Also, also his Secret Wars book has one of my favorite Nick Fury moments ever, where he's pointing a gun to a dude's head, says... Any final words? The guy says, yes. And then Nick Fury shoots him in the head and says, too fucking bad. <laughs> and uh, Psylocke Rules said, Chris Bacallo and Salvador LaRocca are my favorite, ex- my absolute fave X-Men artists, and I follow them on all of social media. Bacallo uses thick lines and harsh colors and makes a mess look stunning, while LaRocca's clean and crisp art, uh, sorry, LaRocca's, Clean and crisp art is a breath of fresh air and something Greg Land could only dream of. I bought some art and picked up some comics just because they are drawing. They draw groups so well. Yeah, they are both great X-Men artists. Underappreciated, too. I also really like Salvador's run on Invincible Iron Man with Matt Fraction. He was really good. McCoyer 1... Oh, sorry. McCoyer 001 had the last one. Alex Ross. I hated Captain America, but his cover art and story for Earth Universe Paradise X made me actually like Cap and get back into Marvel Comics. Still the best alt-future timeline. Also, I do not like DC, but the only poster I own and spent hard-earned money on to frame was this Crisis on Infinite Earth poster. 65 inches by 30-inch insanity. The composition is mesmerizing, and each time I look at it, I find something new among the 500-plus heroes drawn on the poster. Alex Ross is amazing. Man, a 65 by 30-inch poster frame like that is not a cheap frame, man. Uh, and lastly, all right, so this week's question of the week was posed by Movie Brat as an Ask Hank, and I really like it, which is, what would you say your first comic book movie you ever saw was? So for me, I think if you count in theaters, then it had to be 1989 Batman. Mm-hmm. I think that was definitely the Michael Keaton Batman was the first one I saw. If you count off of television, I believe before that I had rented, though did not enjoy, the 1970s Spider-Man TV movie. 
which uh, was really bad. But it was like the only live-action Spider-Man you were ever going to see back then. I rented the shit out of Superman 1979. Yeah. Wow. Superman you know, actually, all the time. And I, I love watching it now. And I love pointing out that in the beginning is the dumbest uh, Superman running sequence ever. <laughs> pointed out Civil War did superheroes running better yeah. than I've ever seen it. Because I remember the Superman one. I watched it again recently. It looks like Stephen Colbert with no glasses <laughs> being held by a wire next to a train as he pumps his legs as fast <laughs> as he can. Lois Lane, you're always making up these stories about boys suspended in air while pumping their legs. <laughs> yeah, I think actually that brings me back. I think the first Reeves Superman I saw was actually Superman 4, the worst one. But it was airing on TV because it had, it had come out in theaters in 86, so it was probably like airing on TV in 87 or 88, which would be when I would have seen it as a kid. Damn. Yeah, it's got to be Batman 89 for me. I even remember watching the Bat Dance on MTV and being like, mm. Ooh. R.I.P. Prince. Yeah. Vicky Vale. Vic, Vicky Vale. Back dance. That, uh, <laughs> all right. So what was the first... Make us feel old, listeners, and tell us what your first... What was your first superhero movie in a theater? And you could also clarify one you saw outside of theaters first, if you can remember that far back. That'll be in the forums, this Question of the Week replies. You can put them in there. There'll be a link to it on this week's episode page, which you'll find on lasertimepodcast.com, along with so many other interesting things. Right, guys? Yeah, man. You want to mm-hmm. see every Iron Man video game appearance up to right this very moment. Uh, we have that on lasertimepodcast.com, as well as our YouTube channel where we streamed. Uh, we thought Spider-Man had the best on-screen appearance he's had in a while. Why not find his worst video game? We might have done that with 32X's. That's right. The Sega 32X's uh, Web of Fire? The Amazing Spider-Man colon Web Web of of Fire. Fire. Nothing amazing about it. None of his villains. (laughs) And it's it's the first ever Daredevil in a video game as well. Not, uh, Not his best look. But yeah, so we played that. We have a lot of video games with superheroes in them on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this is a Patreon-supported podcast. And if you supported us at the $10 plus level, you could watch us watch a nigh-incomprehensible <laughs> Spider-Man cartoon where Spider-Man teams up with Captain America. Speaking of Cap, earlier in the month we did commentary for Winter Soldier. And uh, later in the month we're doing which X-Men movie? X-Men 2. We're yeah. doing X2. So yeah, that was... A lot of fun. All that great stuff is on Patreon. But as for podcasts you should listen to, there's 302010, our podcast time capsule, as we talk about the events in a given week 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. Uh, we talk a lot about Civil War, actually, in the next episode. The comic event, not the film, because the comic event happened 10 years, almost exactly to the day, mm-hmm. with the release of the Captain America Civil War film. Uh, there's also Talking Simpsons, our exploration of every episode of The Simpsons from the beginning. Just did Lisa's Pony. A good time was had by all. And there's also Cheap Podcast, Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, like any good superhero is going to have a uh, transformation, a new style this week. So I'm excited to see I that. And a Nero open for it. And there was also a new, uh, oh, there was a new VG Empire that I'm sure Brett would want us to talk about that yeah. has him interviewing a writer on of music on those old Sega games back then. What was that guy's name? Spencer Nilsson. Uh, Who worked yeah. on the Swing Time song, Swing right? Time wow. song, Sonic Adventure soundtrack, which is amazing. Uh, it's uh, Batman a, Returns, a bunch of stuff. Like a really great interview. Yeah, and very comic booky. If you played those comic book video games back in the day, you'll want to hear that great interview Brett did on this week's VG Empire. Okay, enough plugs, I suppose. And until next time, Excelsior! Excelsior!